welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and returning to the show today is Dr. Terry Wurzbacher, a physician of over 40 years. She overcame her battle with chronic pain through the self-healing techniques that she learned in the doc journey. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. So Terry's somebody I'm excited to have on the show. Um, she's a physician. She graduated from the Medical School of Osteopathic Surgery in Des Moines, Iowa in 1975. She's been in the Navy for over 30 years in active duty. She's done ER work, combat and disaster medicine, and also been in the physical disability system. So she went, she retired from the Department of Navy in 2004, and then worked, went to work in the Department of the Army as a civilian physician, and also in the Army's disability system. So how we cross paths is that um, she started working with the doc journey around um, a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago. And she developed chronic pain herself quite severely in 2015-16 with a post-herpetic neuralgia. We discussed that in the first podcast, and she's doing much better. She's not pain-free as of yet, but again, it's an ongoing process. But to give you a feel how well she's done, she walked the state of Tennessee, which is 314 miles last summer. She's done two long-distance walks since then. And she went from being to a point of being her life is over to actually thriving at a really nice level. And I was telling her also, just I met her, you know, early 2020, and I'm looking at her today, and it's a different person. So I'm excited she's here. And what we're going to talk about in this podcast is we talked about the fact that she has had a tremendous amount of healing. But what were some of the paradigm shifts that occurred, again, now compared to her usual medical education, um, and also some of the tools that she uses to keep moving forward? So Terry, welcome back, and I'm always excited to talk to you. But it actually, to me, is really quite um, enjoyable to see how well you look. You look great. Thank you. I appreciate it. I feel great. So, um, so Terry, we talked about you know in the last podcast. I don't. We don't want to spend too much time with that again. But you had a tough go, um, tough childhood, and I want to say one comment that for for a lot of professionals, about talking about physicians right now as a placeholder is I think what drives us to work so hard and accomplish what we do is sort of escaping our childhood. Because I think a lot of physicians have really tough backgrounds and we sort of end up being overachievers to compensate for that tough start. Is that a fair statement? I think that's a really good statement, yes. And what happens is that your whole nervous system is fired up. Um, we sort of make the joke being an adrenaline junkie. But I always tell, I deal with a lot of people that are in burnout and for me, it was in the presence of chronic pain. But I say, look, that same adrenaline drive that took you up the hill is the same thing that takes you right back down the other side. And so we're driven beyond description. You made a comment that through the worst part of your chronic pain that you did not feel comfortable seeking help because in medicine, we're actually penalized for seeking help. Definitely. So how does this work? We have tremendous amount of stress. We work way too long in hours. We started with a tough childhood, which, you know, the data says when you have a tough childhood, your health actually suffers. So we're under tremendous stress. We don't have great coping skills, except just put our heads down and don't complain. And then we wonder why we get sick. Exactly. Right. So 
just review really quickly to the audience about how much training did you have on any of this chronic pain stuff? That's really quick as none. Right. Yeah, we weren't trained this way. And then when I went into chronic pain, um, nobody could tell me what was going on. And I'm assuming that's the same with you. And we're physicians, we're highly trained, we know the body really well. And looking, I'll put some words in your mouth here for a second. So the patients that get better, when they look back on it, and what I have a little trouble with is that I felt like a big part of my life disappeared that just did not have to disappear. The solutions end up being sort of disturbingly simple. Is that a first statement? Yes, yes. Right. So you were in chronic pain for a long time. Um, it got worse in 2015, 16 with the post-repetitive neuralgia. And so I guess what we're interested in this podcast are what are some of the paradigm shifts, shifts in view that allowed you to start to heal? Uh, one was that it really is created by my brain, that the pain is created by my brain, that, excuse me, it wasn't something in, we'll take the post-herpetic neuralgia, it wasn't in that nerve root in my back where um, it was damaged forever. And I think that's what people had been telling me. It's a damaged nerve root from the chicken pox. It's going to be that way forever. And you're just totally screwed. Um, once I realized that it was created in my brain and with all the chemical reactions and the reactions to stress, response to stress, it was something that with help with people like you, I was able to find the tools and techniques to calm my system down and as a result of calming my system down then the symptoms went away as you keep telling me you're not supposed to try to fix it you, the really the whole thing is to get my system to feel better and be better and I think that's what you're seeing in me also is the results of almost two years of work on that right well even your tone of voice is quite a bit different I don't know if you've noticed that but that's when I first met you, it was hard to understand you. Now you're completely crystal clear. I mean, that's a remarkable switch. Thank you. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, your body movements, everything, your tone of voice, your whole presentation is really remarkably different. So it's exciting to see. We also know that the essence of chronic disease, including chronic pain, is sustained exposure to flight or flight chemistry. So your immune system is fired up, it destroys your own tissues, your metabolism or fuel consumption is fired up. So you're actually consuming cells from your brain. You actually can't think as clearly. Um, so we, we, you're in sustained threat physiology or, or sustained fight or flight. All sorts of symptoms appear. People get sick, they get ill. And they, so that's the essence of the problem. And the essence of the solution is learning to regulate your body's physiology to safety, which is oxytocin and dopamine and growth hormone, as well as an anti-inflammatory cytokines. So your body actually physically rebuilds in safety. You regenerate your body. It's not just a psychological construct. Your whole body gets to regenerate when you're in safety. So I think we talked about this between at the break here, but one of the biggest factors I think in solving any problem is understanding the nature of the problem. Yes. And so in medicine, we're not taught that. We're taught things are structural and the vast majority of symptoms are based on the body's chemistry. So we're just not taught that. But let me ask you a different question. So we learn about physiology in high school science class, right? Yeah. Then we learn about physiology in medical school. Yeah. 
and somehow all of a sudden we finish medical and we completely throw that away. Why do you think that's the case? Because I don't think people associate the two. I think physiology is just how things work. And despite we've known about the fight or flight process for a long time, um, I don't think people have put two and two together. And perhaps one of them is, is there's a delay between the, the stress that you're experiencing, for instance, childhood, you know, that there's that great correlation between the adverse childhood experience and the development of illness or chronic pain. And I don't think we've taken enough time as physicians to put two and two together until recently. Yeah, and of course, a lot of physicians have, but as you know, most of them have not. We're still in a real dark hole, so it's a big problem. So again, putting words in your mouth, I think that understanding the problem is a huge step forward as far as, far as actually solving it. So what are some of the things, a couple things. So what are some of the changes in view that helped you heal? Then what are some of the specific tools you've used to actually um, keep moving forward? That's an interesting question because I don't really know the changes in view. Uh, maybe I don't totally understand that other than knowing that it's not permanent, my life isn't over, and that it's something that, as you told me before, my body heals, can heal itself. I just have to learn the right way to take care of it and help calm it down, which is the word that I use, find safety all the processes that you teach in the doc journey have helped me tremendously. The expressive writing was probably the thing on top of the internal family systems, but the expressive writing was so helpful. And I still, I do that pretty much every day now. It may not be as long as it was, and sometimes it's longer than others, but um, I have itching is a symptom that I get when I know that there's some stress and I'm being triggered. So any kind of little itch and I'll start doing my writing more religiously. Uh, and you emphasize that you would have us do that in, in every class. So that was great. One thing I learned from you that I didn't know about before, and I think it's the proper term, is that active meditation, mm -hmm. or, you know, your shoulders and everything. I would do that. There's a stretch on when I walk to the park that just has horrible traffic because it's the sound that I'm very sensitized to the sound after my attempt to cross the United States. And I would try the active meditation and would get me through the stretch very easily. So that I found very helpful. And you can use that at any point. The letting go, the forgiveness, whatever words that we want to use now, the anger processing. I had a lot of anger about my brother um, and I probably still do, but I'm working on letting that go. And I don't have a problem with the word forgiveness, but I know that we've tossed that around quickly, um, or not quickly, but a whole lot. It's just letting go. Um, the, the meditation, that's something I do every day, and I hadn't ever done that before. That's been a big help, the regular meditation on top of active meditation. Um, and then not talking about and obsessing about my symptoms, I think, and my pain, that, that's a key thing. I'll get a, a migraine, and then I'll just know it'll go away. I think that's a key thing is knowing it's going to go away and just kind of riding the wave through it has been very helpful for me because I, in the past and other people, I know this too, you get a symptom and you think it's never going to end. Right. And, and you go back into that abyss that we talked about, I think in the last podcast and 
then you have to climb back out of it instead of just riding the wave, knowing you're going to get to the beach eventually. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest factors in my healing journey, if I started hearing people more carefully, because people think that to that you're going to solve chronic pain and not have pain anymore. Well, pain is just a danger signal and we have danger coming at us every day. So the question is how efficiently can you process that danger signal to minimize imp impact on your body? Because if you didn't process danger effectively, you wouldn't survive. Yeah. And so you, so you spend less time in threat and more time in safety, but you just become very efficient at processing the stress. And as you and I both know, suppressing or avoiding stress is stressful. That doesn't work. Yeah. And I, I will also make use, I'll talk to my brain again, it's fortunate I live alone, but I'll talk to my brain and tell it it's safe and just reassure it. And the internal family systems, I still use that and talk with my parts. I think that's a, a very important technique that I've learned, but the safety and reassuring myself, I, I woke up with vertigo, I think on Tuesday after I came back from this race, but instead of panicking and it's going to mess up everything, it was just like, okay, I know it'll go away. We're safe. And I had to reassure my brain. And I think people don't realize that your brain is operating just automatically on that fight or flight. And it has that threat. It's interpreting it based on all your past experience. And you just have to take some action to reassure it. Well, the thing about the human brain compared to other mammals is that we're programmed by our entire past up to this very second. So each person is infinitely unique, incredibly unique. And you look at the, even, even at a chair or a table or a book differently than I would, it means something different to you. So we're incredibly programmed by every second of our past. So anytime you're anxious or frustrated, something in the present reminded you of something dangerous in the past. And so by understanding that you have this automatic survival reaction, which is intense, and learning how to make friends with it or developing a work relationship with it is really key because you can't survive without anxiety and anger. Can't do it. So as you put that over there, then you actually can actually pursue your life. And the healing, as you know, occurs from actually moving into the life that you want. But let me go back to a couple other tools specifically for you. Can you explain to the audience what active meditation means to you and what it does? Um, let me see if I can do that. That it's a quick two minute or even less thing that you just relax your body. And I use a lot of breathing techniques as well. Um, from Dr. Aria, the four, seven, eight, and then sometimes I'll do the six, two, and eight, making sure that I've learned from Dr. Porges the exhalation being longer than the inhalation. Um, all of that is important, but the act of meditation, I think, just allows me to stop and separate myself from what's going on in the environment. And I think that separation then allows me not to react in that fight or flight situation, but I can make a conscious decision. Um, if I even need to make a decision, it might be, oh, okay, I'm just feeling better now. Let's move on. So I don't know if you've heard the term. Have you heard, heard the term I've used called dynamic healing? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, what that is, you have the input of your stresses and you have your, the state of your nervous system which can be either calm or hyperactive. Then you have the output, which is the physiology, which can be either fight or flight or safety. And so what you're doing with active meditation, you're affecting the input. In other words, instead of going from racing thoughts or other stresses, you simply put your attention on a given sensation. It could be taste, smell, touch, feel, whatever it is. And you can do it quickly, three to five seconds. You can do it for a minute or so. You've heard the term mindfulness, which is really important. You can just live your life in a mindful way, just connecting to senses. 
But when you're connected to a sensation, you're actually connected to the moment by definition. And that's that's a benefit. So you found active meditation pretty helpful? Yes, definitely. And then can you talk about the expressive writing for a second? Because there's four, actually five core tools to healing that without these, it's hard to actually move forward. So one of them is awareness or education, which we've discussed. The second one, the expressive writing is a big one. And I keep telling people it's the only mandatory step of the entire process is the expressive writing. And I think you would agree with that. Definitely. And every time you would mention that, I would just silently applaud because it has been uh, effective. I don't know why. I mean, I know why intellectually, but it, and I don't always, maybe I did back in the beginning would get out more emotions, but now it's just like, I, well, I don't want to use too many bad words, but you know, um, I, I'll say this itching is really driving me nuts. Um, why are you here? I, I just write anything. And I think it's just getting it out of my system. And again, maybe it's a separation type thing. I don't know exactly why it works for me, but it's been amazing. And you're right. It should be the, the required step. Yeah, this is the only step I say that's mandatory. And actually, I actually asked Dr. Penny Baker about the expressive writing, why it worked. He did all the original research on it. And he pointed out a couple of things that in 2020 alone, there were an additional 250 papers published on the effectiveness of expressive writing. And you can do it verbally. You can do it on a computer keyboard. Writing it down on a piece of paper is probably the most preferable. Um, you can talk to yourself in front of a mirror. All those are things you can do, but you're just externalizing thoughts. So we asked him, well, well Jamie, why, is this, why does this work? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> he says, we know it works. We have all sorts of forms of it. Some forms work better than others. And, um, but to me, orthopedic is simply a separation exercise is that you can't control your thoughts, but you can separate from them. So anyway, there's education, there's ex active meditation, expressive writing. And then the next thing is not discussing your pain. So that's, a bit, that's actually harder to do than people think. I'm just curious what your experience was with not discussing your pain. Well, actually for me, it's really easy because I live alone. I don't really have any family, but, uh, and I don't want to bother my neighbors and friends when I get with them. So it's pretty easy not to discuss my pain where I think it gets to be more difficult as if I had to cancel a social event or something because I had a migraine right. or in a post-herpetic neuralgia, but I didn't know to not discuss my pain then. But I, if I discuss my pain with myself, I know that my attention gets in that spiral again and I get in right. the, so you can discuss it with yourself, even if you have nothing, no one else around you. And that's why I just try and say, no, it, it, you know, I'm riding the wave. That's really the, the only way that I can look at it. But when you were sort of miserable in 2015, 16, and 17, did you discuss your pain back then quite a bit or not so much? Not so much. Um, again, as a physician, you're taught to be tough. And especially in the military, you know, you have to be even tougher. Um, and being female, unfortunately. Well, yes, yeah, because yeah. and you know the, the typical adjectives they would use. Yeah. Um, I had understand that my office mate was kind of um, the person that I worked the closest with, and he was understanding. And I would just tell him when I had to leave because of the pain. But I, I didn't discuss it that much at that point. Probably I did much more with myself mm -hmm. because I lived with it twenty four hours a day. 
But also you tend to spend time on the internet, looking for cures, reading books. And so that's all. So the problem is we know with solving chronic pain using the term neuroplasticity, your brain's going to develop where you place its attention. So it's like learning a new language. You're not going to learn French by trying to fix your English. And of course, the default language of the body is survival. So if your attention's on fixing that language, you're in the wrong direction. And so the healing occurs as you move your brain into circuits that are pleasurable. And not just not to distract yourself, but just truly moving forward with your life with or without the pain actually leaves the pain behind. So um, then the final thing, as far as that first basic step is sleep. Was sleep an issue with you? Uh, yes, it was. I have sleep apnea. Um, I use CPAP. And my CPAP machine was old. And I was actually fortunate that Philips has had this major recall with their machines and everything. So I got a new machine and that's made a big difference. Plus after listening to you, I really paid attention. I, I could do that better when I retired as far as getting a routine schedule and not going with four hours of sleep every night. And I found that as I've gotten older, I really need the extra sleep, but I didn't know that before because I never right. got so yes, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Sleep has been key. I got an aura ring when you recommended it. So <laughs> I know I saw that earlier. So it's it's been a big part of um I think my recovery. So I know there's a bunch of factors involved in you getting better. Um I just want to reiterate to the audience that um so it's dynamic healing, you have the input, and so expressive writing changes the input, not discussing your pain changes the input. Um, the breathing techniques actually lower the physiology directly. So that affects the output of the physiology. So with dynamic healing, you're looking at the balance between your stresses and your nervous system, and then the actual physiology. So in medicine, we're treating just the symptoms and we're not looking at the balance between the person and their stresses. So the other thing is that you do to increase the resiliency of the nervous system, which you've done beautifully is exercise increases resiliency um sleep increases the resiliency and then i don't know um, for me personally as a surgeon i'm not paying much attention to diet until maybe the last two years um doctors aren't taught anything about nutrition right and i don't know what your do you incorporate diet into your treatment pro protocol or not so much not so much because i'm not good with all of that um, and never have been, but you're right. We're, we're not taught anything about nutrition. Now, a, a few years ago, before all of this started, I was into the anti-inflammatory diets and I tried all of that and I never felt that it really made any difference with either my gut or my brain. Um, so that, that's one thing I don't do. So I would, um, Again, I'd just be curious if some feedback next expense. What I have found out though, I'll go back to the original part of the conversation in the last podcast, is that everything works a little bit in chronic pain. So we know exercise by itself, not going to work. We know diet by itself is not going to work. But what I actually noticed is if I um, do my expensive writing, the sleep, et cetera, et cetera, then the diet does add another dimension. And I know you're having some residual migraines. So it might be interesting now to look at that a little bit more carefully. I don't like, I don't believe in extreme diets at all. I'm not a, I have a interesting relationship to food in general. I just actually don't care. But I do know that there's definitely some things in the diet that are very inflammatory. And since chronic pain is an inflammatory disorder, maybe one of those things that actually could make a difference now that you have other things in place. But no, diet by itself is not gonna solve the problem. Um, so anyway, so with dynamic healing, you have the input, the nervous system and the output. 
And so obviously breath work actually stimulates the vagus nerve directly, which is anti-inflammatory. So breath work is critical. Active meditation actually changes the input because you switch sensory input. So it's a dynamic process that occurs day-to-day, every day. Um, some weeks are incredibly good and some weeks are still incredibly bad. But the bad weeks are less frequent. I don't say in the whole as often. Um, I don't spend a lot of time trying to trace every trigger because I think you're going the wrong direction. So the key is moving forward with without your pain, processing that as it occurs. So Terry, again, she walked 314 miles across the state of Tennessee. Then you said you walked 700 miles. Did I hear just hear that correctly? Well, when I, I tried to walk across the United States in 2019, and I made two, 716 miles to the state of Nevada, but um, I got stress fractures, so I had to abort that <laughs> next year and try and do it again. Wow. So what's that? What, I'm just curious. What's that like walking that far every day? I mean, it must be, I mean, part of it must be relaxing, but what's it actually like doing that? Well, it's interesting. Um, it wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. It's, I'm, again, I'm very slow, so I take my time. I would walk about 16 to 18 miles a day, and that was probably too much at that point for my foot, and um, it would have taken too long to heal, so I had to come home. But I met the most remarkable people. I saw, I wanted to see the country that I served, and I was doing the walk in honor of veterans all across America, and it was I would say by far the most wonderful experience that I've had. And that's one of the reasons that I want to pick it up again next year. No, that's fantastic. So I will say, you know, the final chapter of the healing journey is giving back. This is a purpose, giving back, because that's a long ways away from pain pathways. So we do know a sense of purpose, giving back is actually anti-inflammatory. And so you're connected with other people, your body's full of safety chemicals, it's pleasurable. So again, it's that chemical state is which actually determines physical and mental symptoms. So, you know, the exercising at that level, of course, is fantastic. Of course, being connected with nature is fantastic. So, yeah, no, I heard when you were starting to do this again, I go, hmm, okay, that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Fantastic. So um, anyway, Terry, um, I know there's lots of things we can still talk about. I mean, at some point, we still may have a podcast going forward about how maybe we could still, I mean, there is a push now to try to train medical students differently, but it hasn't really penetrated very deeply. I mean, the, the people in our group, as you know, are very anxious to get this in the system. And I think what's hard for both of us is that we now know the neuroscience better. We know the principles behind the solutions really deeply. We have deep data that supports what we do and what we teach. And so in some ways, the more clear the data is, the harder it is to watch things being done the way they are. I call it the curse of awareness. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that completely. So anyway, so I'm excited you're doing well and uh, we appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate that. And I'm doing well mostly because of you. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, I'm gonna turn that back on you. It says you're doing well because of you. Well, thank you, David. Because of your tech, I appreciate you. So thank you. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Terry Wurzbacher, for being on the show today and for sharing the insights and tools she learned in the doc journey that helped her heal from chronic pain. 
I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.